Welcome to Murder Most Foul, a podcast devoted to exploring famous murder cases of our time. Some solved, some unsolved, but all fascinating and guaranteed to raise the hairs on the back of your neck. I'm your host, Jim Solonowski. Today's episode... Love and Murder. She, a beautiful pilot, accomplished to the point that she trained pilots for the Air Force. He, a charismatic cattle rancher. They met on Tinder, and two years later, they had a beautiful daughter and were planning a wedding the beginning of a storybook life together. That is, until Thanksgiving 2018, when something went horribly wrong. Rod Cackley chronicles the heartbreaking story in his book, The Murder of Kelsey Barrett, and joins us today on Murder Most Foul. Good morning, Rod. Hi, good morning, Jim. So let's begin with, you've written many books. In fact, you have two parallel universes of books that I want you to talk just briefly, and then we'll we'll make sure we tag the, the podcast with how they can uh, get any or all of them. Um, and uh, But you're also listed as a journalist. So let's get a little of your background. Okay. Well, yeah, I really was a journalist until uh, I'm 66, and I left the 9 to 5 world when I was 55. Uh, but up until then, I worked in radio as a journalist and print. I wrote for Crane's Detroit Business, for instance. Uh, I was the editor of a business publication uh, called MI Biz and before that, Shoreline Business Monthly. Uh, but I spent a lot of years in radio as a, as a newscaster and a journalist in radio. And um, so let's go back. Uh, let's, uh, again, for a timeline, we're talking about the Colorado area. And uh, we're also talking about November for the act, if you will, the murder, November twenty mm-hmm. second, Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving, as a matter of fact, Thanksgiving weekend of two thousand eighteen. So we know this isn't an old case, um, right? We might get a chance to talk a little bit about, um, you know, you're interested in, and in, and in, uh, you have a great bibliography, so we can see where a lot of the uh, source material came from. So uh, we know the name Kelsey Barrett. Uh, we might as well mention right now the murderer's name was uh, Patrick Frazy. So tell Correct. us a little bit about uh, the relationship uh, prior to Thanksgiving between Patrick and Kelsey. Yeah, Patrick and Kelsey had a very interesting relationship. They met online. Kelsey lived, uh, they, they did not meet until Patrick convinced her to fly out to Colorado to be with him. Uh, he uh, lived with his mother on their ranch. They were horse ranchers. And uh, Kelsey was a flight instructor. Uh, she actually was good enough to train military pilots. So, uh, you know, they're, they're both in their early 20s, uh, or I'm sorry, in their 20s, and uh, she's a very attractive woman. He's a pretty good-looking guy, big, strong, muscular guy. And she came out to meet him and to be with him and to live in Colorado. And we, again, the book is, 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 is a thriller almost. I mean, it's true. You'd think almost you're reading a novel, and you start out— uh, sort of forewarning us with a an exchange between Patrick and another rancher, very good friend of his name, uh, uh, Joseph Moore. 
Uh, so- yeah, Joseph Paul Moore is a cattle rancher in Park County. I said horse rancher, but they're cattle ranchers. Uh, Joseph Paul Moore is a cattle rancher in Park County, Colorado. He is uh, a, a mentor for Patrick in, in this industry. He and Patrick have known each other since Patrick was a little kid. Uh, Joseph Paul Moore is an older man uh, in his 60s. And uh, in April 2018, uh, they were together working, uh, working the cattle ranch, Joseph's Ranch in Park County. And Patrick started talking really strange. He was really he could be a strange guy. He started talking about children who disappeared and were never seen again. He started talking about uh, people who just disappeared and were never seen. And at the end, he laughed and said, hey, no body, no crime, right? And Joseph can't figure out why he's talking about things like that in the way that he is. You know, it's funny that Patrick, even though, now he and Kelsey were engaged to be married. I didn't say that at the beginning, but he, they were engaged to be married. Kelsey could not have been happier. Uh, Patrick had been playing around on her constantly. He constantly cheated on her. Uh, but she felt as they went into Thanksgiving that they had really gotten it together and they were going to be a couple, have the, uh, the, the house, uh, the white picket fence. They had a daughter together. They had the toddler daughter together. They had everything as far as Kelsey was concerned. But you know what's funny is Patrick, when he talked to Joseph, he would never refer to Kelsey by her name. He would simply call her Kaylee Joe's mother. Well, if that's not for, for foreshadowing, I don't know what is. Now, as you say, they were engaged, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it was it was great for uh, for Kelsey. Uh, she felt great about it. There wasn't any ambivalence in in her mind, and but uh, she had her work cut out for her because um, uh, Patrick's mother, uh, Sheila, uh, really disliked her. Yeah, she called her a prostitute and worse. And, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, she knew she was going to have in-law problems going in. Sheila just did not want to get, let Patrick go, I think. I think that's what was behind it. Sheila just did not want to let Patrick go. She was a catch, yeah. She was a very attractive woman, very intelligent. She had it all going for her. She had a nice condo in, in Colorado that she moved into after, you know, she and Patrick got together. And uh, he, by the way, did not want to move in with her. He wanted to stay on the ranch with his mom, which I thought was an interesting thing, too. So, so again, um, if I'm remembering a comment he made to uh, Joseph, his friend Joseph, so they obviously didn't live together, and there must have been some separation, because at least this is the way he put it, that uh, Kelsey, uh, this is again, you know, when they're talking about his life, he said, well, Kelsey was pregnant. And Joseph mm-hmm. says, you mean is pregnant? No. She was pregnant. I didn't know about it until she gave birth. Now, is that because there was enough of a length of separation that she didn't show or he didn't know even that she was pregnant? Or was she hiding it? I mean, that was just an interesting tidbit that I yeah. was trying to figure out. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's one of those things you just don't know. And in the same conversation or a few months after that, uh, Patrick mentioned to uh, Joseph that he had met a hitman for the mob in San Francisco. Now, who would say that? And uh, you don't meet a stranger, and the guy, you know, ask him what he does for a living. He says, oh, I'm a hitman. 
Uh, no one's ever done it uh, to me, Rod, but it, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So Yeah, right. So as things going well, as you say, and there's now going to be mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. Right, exactly. She was going to go. The, the plan was for her and Patrick to go to dinner at the mom's ranch. Okay. And um, and his brother and uh, his wife and uh, their kids would be there. Mm-hmm. So it would be a crazy family kind of thing she was going to. No, her mom and her brother live in another state. But um, she goes to a Safeway store to buy a few last-minute items. She was going to bring some food to the Thanksgiving dinner, and uh, which is not unusual. And uh, she goes there, makes some purchases, and uh, everything's fine. She's very happy. And then she goes home. And there is, and, of course, uh, there is store video of that, so that for nothing else, it, it, right. didn't, it can't show her state of mind. But it did show uh, timeline. It was, it was important for timeline. Right. And, you know, it did show her state of mind in a way that she wasn't panicked. She was very, yep. Yep. seemed to be happy and shopping. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, she seemed to be totally rational. But, you know what? It was the last time she was ever seen alive, at least by anybody except Patrick. Right. Right. And so now we're at we're at uh, Thanksgiving um, of uh, 2018, November 22nd. Uh, Patrick uh, comes to uh, to Kelsey's place. And um, the the in, the um, scenario that's now going to play out that you're going to give to me, of course, comes from after effect of of either investigation and or confession. We'll talk about how the but the, right. literally the details, like when the only people there are the murderer and the victim, no cameras, no other witnesses to the actual act. The only person who can give those specific, like who was wearing what or doing what, has to come from the murderer. So, but let's take yeah. us through what, for whatever reason, you can do it as you go along, whatever the source material is, we have these very specific details of how poor Kelsey was killed. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you can put it together to, to talk about the source material, you really put it together from. Patrick's mistress, who we haven't talked about yet, Crystal. Uh, And Crystal, she knows what Kaylee, you know, she's a really good source material on this. And we get it from the murderer, too. But, um, and, um, you know, what happens is they're playing a game. He sets her up for a game, Kelsey. He uh, puts a scarf around her eyes and then says, now guess uh, what candle I'm going to light. Guess what, ca- from the aroma of the candle, guess which candle it is, which aroma it is. And while she's getting ready to play the game, he comes up behind her with a baseball bat and smashes her across the head with a baseball bat. By the way, Kaylee Joe was in another room. She's in the condo, too. She's in the condo, too. And so, again, through uh, information gotten from those those sources you mentioned, that it is revealed that it wasn't a one hit and out, and that Kelsey was alive and, in fact, saying, please stop, please stop. Right, 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 right. And that's, uh, yeah, it's saying, please stop. And he hit her hard enough to knock her teeth out. Right. I mean, they came out by the roots. Right. So again, we've got to assume, uh, and we know why. I mean, we don't have to assume. We will find out as we keep going that obviously Mm -hmm. blood everywhere. 
I mean, you don't hit someone in the right. head several times. And so you're going to hit, you're going to probably hit an artery somewhere and it's going to, and, and the bat swinging, I forget what they call it in, 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 uh, forensic terms, this blood spatter has a specific name, but that's, I mean, it's right. going to splatter just from the bat moving around. So you're going to have it on the ceiling. You're going to have it, you know, uh, on the walls and, and on the, on the both parties, um, and the floor. So he's done and, you know, he's, you know, packs up the, the the body and while she's probably still there I, I believe he calls again his mistress um crystal lee right yeah and uh so anyway he, he packs up the body and the daughter the little girl right. and they uh they get ready to take away uh, to go away then he calls crystal lee who was who, you know if you look at her picture she looks like you can believe that she would be in this role but she's also not you know, she's not stupid. She's a registered nurse. I mean, she's got her career going for her, too. But she explains to a friend of hers that she just has never been able to say no to Patrick. She just can't say no to this guy. And she's not the only one. There are several women who know him who have said they just can't say no to this guy. He's got this Bengali kind of, you know, draw that uh, women just can't say no to him. And I think Kelsey couldn't say no to him either, obviously. Now, why would a guy call his mistress and ask her to come over and clean up his fiance's apartment? You'd think she was suspicious. Well, Crystal was more than suspicious. She knew what was going on because Patrick had asked her to kill Kelsey for him three times in the past. And since you're on that, why don't you give us uh, the brief? I have it written here in my notes. The the three way. This is like uh, Crystal in the living room with a candlestick. What was the three? Yeah. What was the three choices? Well, see if I can remember the three now. One, one, which was, it was interesting because I love Starbucks coffee. I've too. got a, I've got a cup. I've got a cup right next to yeah. me, Rod. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Kelsey and her brother just loved Starbucks coffee. As a matter of fact. They called each other Starbuckians, okay? They loved it that much. So the plan was for Crystal to poison a cup of Starbucks coffee and bring it over and give it to Kelsey. That was Patrick's idea, of course. And, of course, now, you know, it gives him a buffer separation from the crime, right? right? I mean, this guy's got this all planned out. Well, she gets the poison coffee, but she just can't do it. Right. Another time, he, give, he wants her to uh, beat her to death. And she sits across the street, and she's ready to do it. But again, she just can't do it. And honestly, you'll have to remind me of the third sure. way. No, you're you're doing well. It was the poison. Yeah. It was the pipe. Yeah. Pipe up a, a right. pipe and a, and the bat that obviously I'm assuming is the bat he ultimately yeah. used. And she couldn't right, do it. Right, she right, couldn't right. do that. She couldn't do any of them. I mean, she and they yeah. weren't like you know. I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't all the same day, but over a period of time, there were these three Correct. suggestions. Correct. So yes, by then, yeah. come on over and clean an apartment, boy. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. So she brought over the little booties that you would wear to keep uh, uh, you know stains off your shoes. Uh, she was dressed up in uh, uh, you know coveralls so that she didn't leave any DNA evidence or whatever around. Yeah, and so she came over and she cleaned up and she said, oh, by the way, there is probably a tooth somewhere. I think I left a tooth behind, so see if you can find that, too. I, I believe he said he thought it might have gone down a, a, a you know, yeah. heat, heating grade or, or something. Right. And she found it. Yeah, she found it. Yeah, she did. She did find it. 
And as she relates you know later what? to the police, it had, like you said, it had the root on, still attached. Yeah. But you know what? She knew something was wrong, and she's not, I don't think she's an evil person. I really don't, because of what she did before she left Kelsey's condo. She cleaned the condo. She made several mistakes. She left food out on the counter that Kelsey had been cooking, some things that she was going to take over to um, uh, Patrick and Sheila's house for Thanksgiving. She left some things on the counter that she didn't clean up. But what she did do purposely, she left blood on the toilet in the bathroom. Right. She left. She felt she was leaving a clue to the police without actually going to the police. She was leaving a clue. So I thought that was very interesting, too. If you've got blood in the bathroom, and this clearly, they were playing the game in the bathroom. I'm assuming this is because of uh, Patrick cleaning up himself. Right. Yeah. His own body. Um, yeah. So uh, she does this, and again, in the book, it recounts uh, what she's thinking about, and it, 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 and again, I don't know if this is an excuse, it keeps coming back to, well, I thought I might be next. I had to do this. Mm-hmm. I can't say no. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, right. it's covering up its accessory after all that legal jargon, but I know in her heart, she was probably saying, you know, I, I should have done something because this wasn't out of the blue. And, and, but yet, and she's, so she's arguing with herself, but I had no choice. I had to clean up. And then of course he wants to meet with her to talk. Right, right. They do meet. And all the time, yeah, she's thinking that as she's going to the meeting, uh, she's wondering why he's summoning her there. Will she be killed? Because she knows, Crystal knows that besides Patrick, she's the only Only one one. who knows what happened. Now, one of the things I, I, I don't want to pass by at this point, because it's the day it happened, tell us a little bit about the Facebook posting by Sheila. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's an important thing, too. And that shows you, too. Now, you know, maybe we, we could go back for a second to the Thanksgiving sure. day sure. when um, uh, Sheila and her other son are uh, waiting for Patrick to show up. And uh, the phone rings, and Sheila goes to answer it, and she talks to Patrick. She comes back to the dinner table and says simply, uh, Patrick's on his way. He'll be late. Uh, and then uh, their brother, his brother Sean says, well, what about um, Kaylee Joe? Will uh, Kelsey, will they be here too? And the mother just looks, and Sheila says, no, Kelsey won't be here. See, all along, you think Kelsey's, or Sheila knows what's going on, too. Right, you right. get that feeling that Sheila knows what's going on. And so, yeah, the Facebook posting was uh, a picture from uh, The Wizard of Oz and uh, where the witch is melting. And uh, Sheila posts and writes the caption, Ding dong, the witch is dead. Who's the first person to to con- be concerned they can't reach Crystal? I mean, they can't uh, reach Cheryl. Kelsey. Uh, she, yeah, Cheryl, his, her mother. Uh, can Cheryl, Crystal's mother, Shelly. Uh, Cheryl, she knows something's wrong. Uh, her son, Clint, uh, has the same feeling, too, because they cannot reach uh, Kelsey. Right. You said they were from another state. Do you remember what that was? Correct. Yeah, Washington State, the Washington state of state. Washington. So that's a bit of a so, hike. you know— yeah, they're in Tacoma, Washington. And uh, so um, 
I'm sorry, Cheryl lives in northern Idaho. It's Clint who lives in Tacoma, Washington. But so they so, get together yeah, and meet and they meet at Kelsey's condo. Right, yeah, exactly. And they know something's wrong. They walk into the condo, they have a key, and they walk into the condo and they notice it's warm, too warm. If Kelsey had left, if, if she had left on a trip, um, the first thing you do is turn the heat down. You're right. not going to leave your heat up <laughs> if you're not going to be there. Right. And so there were all these little things again. And there was food on the counter, cinnamon rolls on the counter, which were hard as rocks. So they'd obviously been there for a while yep. in that heat. And then again, there was luggage. Her luggage was in the, in the um, bedroom closet. So again, if you're going to go on a trip, you're going to take your luggage, right? It's not going to be sitting in the closet. So Cheryl and Clint, they know something's wrong. And well, here's another question that that just pops up from from someone who's going along in the in the story, um, and this indicates, um, well, that would make sense, I guess. Yes, okay, uh, it would make sense that Patrick's mother knows everything because I'm assuming if Patrick, I'm not sure if he did that day show up at his back at the ranch at his mom's ranch, he would have had to have Kaylee with him. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. And uh, he, he did. Because there were who else could? In other words, he had no one to for childcare, uh, except right. except his own mother. So he did eventually show up, and whether that was part of the phone call, him telling why he wasn't bringing his mm-hmm. fiance, and he's telling everybody he's breaking up. But he's still the father of the child, so you know he's going to have the yeah. child, and the child's fine and not beaten up. And okay, so the child is now safe. At the ranch, but um, so there's nothing. There's no child in the house, and as you say, those other indicators that seem, uh, you know, indicate that uh, Kelsey didn't take a little trip. Yeah, right. Her toothbrush and makeup kit were also in the bathroom. Yeah. So very soon they do involve the. They get concerned and they involve the police. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Cheryl calls the police. She knows what something's wrong, so she does call the police. But she also calls Patrick to find out what he's thinking, you know, where she is. I mean, she if they're fiancés, it would seem that Patrick would know better than anybody else right. where Kelsey was. And that's where he tells her that actually he hadn't seen her for a couple of weeks, that maybe she hadn't heard, but uh, he and Kelsey had broken up. Well, that came as news to Cheryl, obviously. Right. Uh, and uh, so she asks him to start uh, looking and to check on her to find out you know, she says, come on, Patrick, you haven't seen her for a couple of weeks, and neither have I or anyone else. Please call her today. And Patrick says, okay, but I have to take care of my cows first. <laughs> hey, you know, you got to take care of your cows. Yeah, right. So this is the mother of his child. Right. She's missing. There's all kinds of danger signs, and he has to take care of his cows first. Right. So they probably didn't waste... Clint and Cheryl didn't waste a lot of time on him. In other words, sit back and say, yeah. well, let's let Patrick work on this. So they did involve uh, the police fairly uh, fairly quick on Black Friday, probably. Right. Uh, get the police involved. And so the, the police are, are called, you know, and start setting up a missing person, correct? Mm-hmm. And then on December 2nd, uh, Corporal Dina Curran goes and uh, reaches out to Patrick and talks to Patrick to get his side of the story and to figure out why, and to try to figure out why he doesn't have any idea where she is and doesn't seem to care where she is. Yeah, and that, that's when it comes out that they met actually on a dating app. I don't know if it was Tinder or something else, but they did meet on a dating app. 
and uh, he he tells the the corporal that it was more that they've broken up. That uh, we came from different backgrounds. There was a lot of trouble. He talks about, um, and he he says that Kelsey has a drinking problem right. and might even have a handgun. Right. So he's trying to lay a lot of little sure. flags here to to think that something's wrong with Kelsey. And. Um, one of the things I found, we'll get into some of the, the, um, investigation thing that again, now gets into cell phones and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds. It's fascinating. And that's why I recommend people get the book, uh, to follow along with us. But one of the things that I found fascinating on something I wouldn't think of that obviously they had Kelsey's, um, cell phone. So in the beginning, they did some texting, uh, from her phone that would show up her number but the texts, whoever they were sent to, one to one, I guess to one of her her boss or her supervisor, and people looked at the at the uh, uh, text, and it wasn't her style. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, Ray Sebring, uh, Kelsey's boss at Doss Aviation, uh, he said he pointed to a message from Kelsey that read, "Hi Ray, sorry for the late notice, but I won't be able to make it in this week. I need to go see my grandma who's sick." Dot 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 with quote. And Cheryl says, no, wait a minute. Her grandmother isn't sick. If anybody would know that, it would be me. And um, Kelsey never calls in, calls him sick, but he, she never puts a comma after, Ray says, Kelsey never puts a comma after my name in a text. She always uses an exclamation point. Well, in this text, there is a comma after his name, and there is no explanation, uh, explanation. Ex, you know, no slammer, as we say in journalism. No expl, ex, explanation. Yeah, no explanation. There you go. No explanation. Yeah, right. And I guess also she uses em, she uses emojis in that, and that, and none of them were in the right. in the message as well. Right. And that's right, I mean exactly. that's a no subtle a subtle thing, but so um, where um, someone comes, uh, police come to take. Uh, uh, Patrick's phone, and they want to deal with Patrick's phone. At the same time, his brother, is it Sean, who's a cop, uh, comes just to visit him out of the blue. So there's an interchange between Sean being Mr. Cop, do you have a warrant, whatever. And in the end, he recommends to Patrick they can get a warrant, just give them the phone. Yeah, they were in a parking lot in Woodland Park. Uh, the brothers had... Uh, uh um, Patrick had called Sean and asked to meet, not at a house, not at Sean's house and not at Patrick's house, who lived with his mother, but in a parking lot of a mall. And um, so they meet there, and Patrick, he can see Sean, who's a cop, can see something's wrong here. He can see that Kelsey, you know, Patrick tells him, Kelsey's missing. What do you mean, Sean says? When was the last time you saw her? Talk to her. You knew we broke up, right? No, you never mentioned it. How long? When did you guys split? Sean notices that Patrick is taking quick, shallow breaths, which is the sign of a liar, okay? <laughs> See, he can tell something is going on. There are all these little signs that a cop would pick up on that Sean picks up on talking to uh, Patrick. And then since a Woodland Park police officer shows up because they're looking for Patrick, they want Patrick's cell phone, and he doesn't have a warrant, but Sean advises him to hand over the phone anyway. Now, how he says long... it's more of a request than a demand, right? But I wouldn't be asking if I, I won't be asking if I have to come back again. And Sean understands exactly what this cop is saying there. And um, the um, issue again of you know what they're going to get from the phone does because you know 
Patrick, like me, is not uh, that tech savvy. So uh, again, I think this is uh, with his friend uh, uh, Joseph Paul Moore. He asks him again another series of co- weird questions about, you know, can you get blood fully out of clothing? And then another one: mm-hmm. Can they retrieve? Can the phone company retrieve um, uh, uh, tapes of phone calls? This happened in 2018, and I think a lot of us didn't understand the way that cell phones, you could be tracked with a cell phone right. three years ago, the way that we understand it now. Yep. And he, yeah, Patrick really needed a phone. He felt naked without a phone. So he went back to his buddy, uh, Joseph, to find out if he could use his phone. Mm-hmm. He needed a phone. And then he eventually, he does, uh, because, of course, it's a small town, uh, and they're, you know, they know that she's missing. They know that uh, uh, Kelsey's missing. But he goes into a bank, and he goes into the Verizon or T-Mobile. I don't want to do a plug for yeah. whoever it is. Right. And these people, the, the poor little schmucks, you know, who are waiting on him are pretty scared of him. Yeah, because, you know, everybody knows what's going on. Everybody in the little town, this is December 5th now, okay? And remember, Kelsey vanished on the 22nd of November. Her mom has been talking to the cops for the past three days now since December 2nd. A little town, everybody knows she's missing. Everybody knows Patrick is her fiancé. Everybody knows that it's the fiancé or the husband or the boyfriend who is suspect number one and something like this, okay? And Patrick's a big guy. He's 6'2", weighs 205, and that's 205 of mostly muscle, Muscle. okay? He's a big, imposing-looking guy. And he goes into the the Ent Federal Credit Union where he and Kelsey have accounts because he wants to find out uh, their surveillance cameras and whether or not he's trying to talk around, you know, get and talk around whether or not he might be on the surveillance camera to prove where he was at a given time. And he wants a copy of the surveillance tape from the bank manager, the credit union manager, Patrick Key, or Patricia Key. So he's smart enough that it may not clear him or not clear him, but he doesn't want to have his story wrong to say, oh, I wasn't in town that day or I never went near this that day. He can say, yeah, I was at mm-hmm. the bank. And it might have nothing, as we know. A lot of times it's the innocent lies that mess up. Yeah. It's like because when people are I, that's why I don't lie. If you tell the truth, you got no problem. You know, it, right. it's there it is. I, I dropped that coffee yep. cup. Well, well, there it is. Mm-hmm. Rather than saying, you know, the cat knocked it over. And then someone says, well, the cat wasn't there. It was lockdowns. So you get into that. So he just probably wanted to make sure that, you know, he kept his story as to where he was. Yeah. Anyway, and Patricia knows, tells her, tells him she can't give him the tape and reuse the tape every five days. Right. But as soon as he leaves, he gets in the car and he, he's mad. He almost rips the door the, the bank door off its hinges, goes into his car, slams his car door, and peels out of the parking lot. Patricia goes right to the phone and calls the police. And uh, a detective picks up the phone, and Patricia says, you aren't going to believe who was just here. There you go. And then, not, Next, yeah, not necessarily the same day, but maybe it was, then he goes to the phone store. Yeah, December 11th. It's almost a week later. A he week goes later. to the Verizon store. And uh, talks to a guy named David Fellis. Now, David Fellis, he's just, I haven't seen a picture of this guy, but he, in my mind, he seems like your typical little retail retail store clerk, kind of a phone nerd kind of a guy, and uh, more of a technician than a retail salesman, if you will. 
And as soon as Patrick walks in, remember, everybody's been talking about this story in yeah. Woodland Park for a week now. And probably so picture, week, pictures, so, in the pa- and, pictures in the paper. Yeah, so. everything. I mean, what else do they have to talk about? <laughs> and as soon as, Pat, as soon as Patrick walks in the store, David fellows his stomach just like, hey, like, oh, my God, it's Patrick. It's Patrick crazy. What's going to happen here? And Patrick starts grilling him on phones. And who, if I had a busted up phone, if it was broken or, let's say, damaged, like someone had smashed it with a hammer, just for instance, could you get any information off the phone, like a call record or something? I mean, just for instance, hypothetically, <laughs> could you do this? <laughs> so, yeah. So, and this is, I mean, these are quotes that David told the cops. I mean, this is how he related the conversation, okay? This is what it was like. And um, David does what any normal human being would do. He goes and he hides in the bathroom. <laughs> you know, that's what I would do, too. I mean, if I was a little, kind of a littler guy and a guy 6'2", 205, <laughs> suspected killer comes into my store and starts giving me this stuff, I would go in the bathroom, and that's exactly what he did. He went into the bathroom, locked the door, and, of course, he had a cell phone on him, and he called the cops. Now, and sure enough, Patrick gets tired of waiting, and Patrick leaves. Now, I'm not sure if it's before or after uh, the visit to the farm uh, by um, uh, Patrick and uh, Crystal, but Crystal, how does Crystal get uh, drawn in? In other words, so they question her and all this, but how, uh, yeah. how does she appear? How does she get on their radar? Crystal gets drawn in because uh, her relationship with Patrick comes out, but it's also the cell phones. Got she it. gets drawn in because of cell phones. Cell phone records show uh, that she was at the house. Uh, and then, remember, now this goes back to the neighbor who had the surveillance photos, yep. too. Yep. Uh, she, she gets on the surveillance photos and going in and out of the house. Got it. And uh, this is really where you get into this 21st century technology. <laughs> of course. Uh, 2018, where we're all of a sudden learning just the way our cell phone tracks us and the way our cell phones track us. And that's how she gets drawn into this. Now, and I want to give a, a shout out. I think it's uh, maybe it's it's either Israeli developed or Israeli this uh, technology cell bright. Yeah. And that's part of this 24th century stuff you're talking about. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the 24th century stuff. And the thing is, it, it's the, the technicians, too. you got to give a real shout out to the people at the, uh, the, the technicians who really were explaining to the police officers what a cell phone could do. Right. You know, the cops really didn't know how, how good <laughs> no. these cell phones were. So, I mean, we all learned a lot in from 2018 to 2021 about how we were tracked by our cell phones. Um, now, uh, lest we forget, um, Patrick still has Kelsey's body to somehow dispose of. Yeah. And so Patrick gets Crystal to go out to the farm with him. And uh, they've got a pickup truck. And there's a big black bag in the back. And uh, they open it up. And Chris, and they pull it out what's in the bag. And Crystal can't be sure, but she's pretty sure that it's a body, a dead body. And who else would it be but Kelsey, Right. Okay, so they put it into a burn trough and burn the body. I mean, there's no, you know, better way to put it than that. And it's not an easy thing to do. You know, I wrote another book about a woman who tried to burn a body and realized how tough it was. And she wound up cutting it up with a chainsaw and encasing it in cement 
because it's just not, bodies just don't burn like they do on TV. So, uh, again, I, an image which is clearly in the book on, and wonderfully, uh, again, wonderfully uh, told to us was, again, the, 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 enough of a thought saying, okay, we're putting it in like it was like a big oil drum or something. So right, it didn't yeah, catch a big burn trough. Yeah. And then they, so they then gasoline or whatever they, whatever he used, and then he covered it somewhat because he didn't want this, and I'm assuming it's after hours, but he didn't right. want this huge flame they wanted to get as much flame as they could so that even traps the heat and probably even makes it better so they're yeah. you know they're trying to keep it low-key but someone is watching yeah who would it be but patrick's mother sheila is looking out the door as they drive away sheila looks back or uh, crystal looks back over her shoulder and sees sheila looking out the back door You know, I mean, I'll I'll leave I'll leave that to the audience. Okay, which one of these people? I'm not even going to say is more culpable. Obviously, Patrick's the most culpable. Who is more twisted? Um, mm-hmm. So, obviously, uh, eventually they wear down uh, Crystal, and she realizes she's got to make a deal. So she sort of does spill the beans. Yeah, and you know the thing is, the FBI really does not want to do a deal with her. The district attorney, Dan May, says, referring to Crystal, we did a deal with the devil, and I'm not proud of that. Right, because they realized you, in this situation, there's no one else uh, as a witness. Uh, There's circumstantial evidence, but they really, to nail this, they need, uh, you know, an eyewitness of some kind. And she obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, is the one. And Crystal talks, and obviously she does feel guilty about this. She really does. And she knows every every step she takes, she knows it's the wrong step. But for some reason, she takes it and take, she go, she keeps going down that path. And without Crystal, now remember, you got to remember how twisted this guy is. Patrick, when he's in jail awaiting uh, trial, he figures out that what he's going to do uh, is uh, he makes friends with a guy who looks like a gangster, so he says, you're getting out early. Here's a list of the people I'd like you to have killed. And it's a list of the witnesses against him, including Kelsey's mother, Cheryl. And this gentleman's name for the audience is Jacob Bentley. And, yeah. and, and he goes, of course, goes to the, uh, duh, goes to the DA because he wants, uh, you know, a uh, reduction on his sentence. Uh, or a change of, yeah, a reduction in a sentence. Um, and these things, these messages that, that um, uh, Patrick's passing him on little slips of paper or paper towel, he's assuming, and it's like I said, how smart is Patrick, that the guy will look at it and then destroy it. So even if he decides mm-hmm. not to do it, well, you know, no harm, no foul, but this guy kept them. Yeah. And he used them as currency. You know, you know, Patrick, the other guy, Jacob, was much obviously more intelligent and understood the ways of the jailhouse than did Patrick. He knew that this was currency that he could use to buy himself a reduced sentence. What was interesting, too, was the way they were passing the notes down toilets and stuff. I thought that was really interesting, the way the piping works, the plumbing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. 
And I think that one of the, again, the gotchas of that whole section, uh, that whole uh, sidebar, if you will, was that obviously um, when we come to trial, he, Jacob, you, you can't introduce evidence without a witness to it or, you know, right. you, have to, through, you have to do it through someone. So through him, they introduce the notes and they pass them around to the, to the jury. And of course, the defense attorney is going to, and I don't know if the defense attorney was blindsided, but the defense attorney says, well, you're just doing this to get a reduced sentence. And, and the guy said, well, that was my initial reason to approach the DA. But prior to testifying, he finds out that it had nothing to do with him coming forward as a witness, that the DA had dropped whatever charge, some kind of assault charge or something, yeah. from a felony to a misdemeanor. So this guy was going to walk right. anyway. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, just nothing works out in this book nothing, the way you think it's going to work out. Nothing worked out. And so... Obviously, I mean, again, it says in the book, uh, you know, first of all, guilty, guilty, guilty. And the yeah. uh, Patrick and the and the defense team were like devastated. They they you know, this is reporting, I'm sure, by the people in the courtroom at the time that they there was no way. Oh, my God, that, you know, that this could happen, that he could be convicted. It's like, really? Right. I mean, think about Scott yeah. Peterson. Think about people yeah. who have been convicted with absolutely the, the barest of circumstantial evidence. And they had, I'm sure they, you know, eventually they could go to the burn pit and may, unless they got rid of the stuff. I mean, there's so much forensic evidence and an eyewitness. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. You, you're not going to be fine. Okay. Now they offer, I believe they offered him a deal. The only deal was that the, they take off the, was that, the, or is that another case they take? No. Was he eligible for the death penalty? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think they. I, uh, I don't think they, they. They used. In other words, they have to decide before the trial. Right. I don't think they. Uh, right. They had right. that. But he I got think life. They decided not to go with. Yeah. He got life right. without got parole. Life. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, poor Crystal, uh, Crystal got some time, not a lot of time, and uh, you know, as part of her plea deal. And I know that she comes back to look for a reduction. It doesn't get it. And you know, I'm not that uh, that excited in a sense that. The punishment, yes, should fit the crime. Yes, she's a participant. Um, but I, you know, I, you, blood from a stone, I just don't think that served any purpose. Now, whether she goes on in life from here when she gets out and becomes a, a lovely, you know, nurse in Africa or something, tries to pay back to society, well, that's between her and her God. But, um, right, right. you know, I don't, I didn't, I wasn't out for bloodlust on, um, mm -hmm. on Crystal. Because without, again, you're absolutely correct. Deal with the devil. And this is the least devil I've seen where uh, two people are equally culpable. And for some reason, yeah. one person's got it is a stronger case or the other one's got more uh, a bigger rap sheet. They end up flipping. It's uh, we've got all sorts of stuff. Well, look what we got going on in the federal government now. You know, who's going to flip on Matt Gates? Who's going to flip right, on Trump? Right. Who's the top mm -hmm. guy? You know, who's the guy you want to get? Let everybody else go to get. And obviously, in this case, it was Patrick Freezy. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, with this story, Jim, I, what's really amazing is these are just average, normal people who, step after step, make the wrong decision. And even Patrick, but Patrick, I think, is a sociopath. I don't think he has any remorse at all. I mean, he told Joseph, his, his older friend, he said, man, if I had known it would have blown up this big, I never would have. Because it was on CNN. So, 
But all right, so I mean, again, we could sit here for hours talk about the psychology. Yeah. Uh, and after right. I've done fifty of these so far and read a hundred books to pick out fifty, and and I can't have an answer for any of them from the big ones of again uh, Scott Peterson, O.J. Simpson to the small obscure ones, and some that are mm-hmm. weird like vampire people who kill because they got to drink blood, and there are those people. Yeah. Out. But so again, the psychopath or or person who's who's unbalanced, but the ones that get me, and certainly Scott Peterson is one of them, is what's the matter with divorce? What is in yeah. you that says, no, uh, it's too messy, and then we got to divide up property? In this case, there was no—she pr- pr- owned her house. He owned her house. They weren't married. It's like, as he kept saying, we broke up. Well, why didn't you? Yeah, right. And and right. in the case, a lot of these things, they'll say, okay, I got to kill the kid too because I don't want child support. I don't want to have to do child support. Yeah. He didn't do that. He just killed no, you know, her. I, I don't get it. Exactly. I don't get and it. And he doesn't have to worry about money. They have a very, his mom has a very successful ca- uh, cattle ranch. Right. I mean, he could have gone into court and, you know, if it was a question of custody sure. of the kid, Kaylee. Sure. You if know, he they wanted her. I mean, it didn't have to go this right. Yeah. Right, but he had it in his mind. I mean, he was thinking back when in that first conversation with Joseph Palmore in back in April before it happened in November. You know, months ahead, he had it in his mind that he was going to do something like this, that it could happen. He was planning this out. Why did he do that? How could somebody think like that? And, and you and me, you and me, brother. I yeah. have no absolutely idea. Well, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. that, that is the sad. And 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 bizarre case uh, of, of the murder of Kelsey Barrett. Uh, you can go online um, to see pictures of the of the people who are involved. I recommend you do that. It helps you flesh out um, you know the story when you can actually see uh, what these people look like, and and they'll show you know what the the um, the ranches, and you get a good feel for the background that is you know not always available in a book. The book is, of course, available on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, probably your local library if you don't want to pay for it, but I recommend you pay for it and keep it in your library yourself. Uh, the book, The Murder of Kelsey Barrett by Rod Cackley. Rod, as I say, let's just briefly talk about you have you have two streams of, of books that you've written. Uh, is that true? Yeah, I do write fiction. I write fiction as well as nonfiction. As lo- along with true crime, I also write fiction books. Because as I was saying, I, I spent my life, from really from the age of 16 on, as a journalist. And after a while, at the age of 55, I just got tired of clouding the issue with facts. I just wanted to write <laughs> fiction. <laughs> uh, uh, let's not let the truth get in the way, okay? Right, exactly. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. So in my mind, I created a place called St. Isidore, which is a a town in my mind. I call it the most dysfunctional town on the uh, planet on the planet. Uh, It includes a place called the Suicide Forest. And uh, people are just, yeah, they just do things. And, you know, the Suicide Forest is where a serial killer was stashing bodies. And um, the town knew it, but they, they wanted to believe it was suicides instead of a serial killer because they just didn't want to believe a serial killer was in their midst. There you go. And, but anyway, then the, the cable networks get onto it, and they put it worldwide, and then people from around the world are coming to the suicide forest to kill themselves. 
and to stash dead bodies. And the town realizes, hey, this is a real economic driver. Let's not hide the suicide for us. Let's do things like sell hangman noose uh, car deodorizers. <laughs> oh, dear. So now this, this the, so the town and or the sort of if you're looking for the books, you just Google St. Isidore. Or Wicked, uh, wick, a Wicked Plan, Wicked oh. Revenge, or Wicked Justice, or just go to Amazon.com, Rod Cackwick, and you'll find all this stuff. That's why I found you, you and found both, both um, you know, like I said, a separate, which there's, there are several people that I've dealt with that uh, have done, they started doing fiction, and then they've yeah. picked up and done a couple. Uh, yours seems to be just from numbers of work, seems to be almost balanced, uh, you, you know, maybe I don't know if you do if you flip and do a true crime and then do a fiction, but there's um, I do back and forth. Yeah, there's plenty yeah. of plenty of material there to keep people busy on the beach this summer now that we're all getting out. So I do want to uh, I do want to thank Rod today. Uh, and again, you just just go to Amazon. That's the best way to get connected. Go on Amazon uh, and put in the spelling of Rod's name is R.O.D. And the last name is K-A-C-K-L-E-Y. And um, so, again, I want to thank you for a wonderful tiptoe through your book. Uh, It's been fascinating. And, um, again, have a great day. Hey, thank you, Jim. I really appreciate the opportunity. I do. Thank you. And I would be remiss if I didn't thank you, my loyal listeners. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Murder Most Foul. And I hope you'll spread the word. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can do that through the show's website. And the address is www.murdermostfoul, all one word, no caps, no spaces, dot com. And until next time, stay safe. And for God's sakes, don't murder anyone. (laughs) 